Can I lay down and do this? No, you can't. No. Sit up. Friends, welcome to Sit Pints up. with Matt. <laughs> okay, I'm seeing some good... Uh, what are we calling this? Good waveforms. Pints with Jack crashes. No. I'm thinking of a wedding crashers type reference. Matt and David crashed to scholars day one. <laughs> Season two, episode 37. Day one in Montreat. We could have did way better than that. Season two, episode 37. David and Matt party in Montreat. Day one. <laughs> I'll accept that. Hey everyone, it's David and Matt here. We are in our hotel room. It is the end of day one of the International C.S. Lewis Symposium. And we just thought we would record a very unpolished, unedited episode just telling you what happened today and how great it was. Yeah, we are really tired right now. So if we don't sound as enthusiastic, <laughs> we apologize. But it was an incredible day. It's been packed with listening to some awesome speakers. Yeah, we've, we've, had, we've had Dr. Tom King. We've had David Downing. Douglas Gresham. Douglas Gresham. <laughs> Can't forget the main one. For people who don't know that, that's C.S. Lewis's stepson. And we've we've practically got a future talk uh, with Diana. Yes. Uh, during during dinner, Matt cornered Diana Glyer and uh, uh, basically asked her a thousand and one questions about Tolkien and uh, pretty much got her to give tomorrow's talk to him at the dinner table. Yeah, that was it was a really interesting conversation. I mean, she's been a Tolkien enthusiast and now scholar starting back in high school. Mm-hmm. That's insane to me. When she was telling me, she started putting together the resources for the book she wrote in high school. I mean, that's like a child prodigy right there. I was playing video games. <laughs> yes, nothing quite so productive. Yeah, maybe I could have wrote the manual on how to be dominant at Halo too, but definitely not a Tolkien book. But I think that's definitely my main takeaway after this first day. The community here is just wonderful. Everybody is very enthusiastic. It's wonderful to see so many faces that I've only seen on Facebook or on the C.S. Lewis discussion groups. My main takeaway is I need to be downgraded from an enthusiast to a nobody. <laughs> I mean, this is just a whole other level. You have lots of scholars referencing lots of works that you never knew Lewis even wrote. Yep, nope. <laughs> And I just think to myself, I don't know what I'm doing, honestly. Humility. Uh, Matt, this is this is humility. Well done. <laughs> well, actually, where I hesitated, I was about to say something completely opposite. Uh, I will say this. So this is going back to the very beginning of this. They have the rare book collection here. Oh, yes. That was so, I mean, that just wowed me. They have a bunch of first editions. They have some signed first editions. We're talking not just Lewis, but Tolkien, Chesterton, uh, other Inklings. Chesterton was an Inkling, but you know we'll we'll make him one. And he was. They have his books here. And the Lewis screw tape first edition signed was six thousand dollars. So we might have to start a GoFundMe. <laughs> <laughs> there was a uh, Tolkien that was twelve thousand. I think there was a first edition Mere Christianity for maybe eleven. There's a lot of amazing books there i i thought to myself man i wish i was like bill gates right now i could buy a bunch of these i was nerding out 
But what do you say we talk a bit about some of the speakers and some of the takeaways we had here? Sure thing. Uh, so the first speaker was Dr. Don King. Yep, and it was titled Influence and Relevance of C.S. Lewis. So what were a couple of the things that you took away from that? Oh, wait, before we do this, we're drinking Vat 69. Oh, my goodness, How yes. did we forget this? Guys, it's, it's seriously, we're exhausted. So David took a red eye to get here. I woke up at 1 a.m. to get to the airport in Chicago. I had like an hour something drive, and it was like a 5.30 flight. So we're about to pass out here. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I drove us about two hours from the airport to yeah. the retreat. With a few swerves and the, oh, I shouldn't say that because your mom yeah, my mother will listen. <laughs> yeah, a very safe drive. Very safe. But we're drinking VAT69. This is my first time having this. David's had it before, but I'm excited. Cheers. Cheers. We're unfortunately having to drink out of plastic cups. Mm, that's not, that's obviously blended, so it's smokier, peatier, but not, I've had a lot smokier. The way Marie describes it is that it's smoky but not peaty. Mm, and go. the other thing I'd say about the VAT69, <laughs> it sounds funny, but the more you drink it, the smoother it becomes. Yeah, well, that's kind of all scotches. <laughs> okay, now back to the thing, the takeaways from the talk with Don King. I'm actually just trying to read my notes. I, I well, have the, that, you know, I have the writing a of a bit, doctor. But I liked how he discussed, and I didn't realize this was something that's been written. David read a lot more Lewis books than me, so these terms were fresher to me, I guess. But he brought together the two terms reason and imagination and lewis combined those so well and i we don't even have to explain that i think we all know lewis was a very rational logical reason-based person in truth but yet his imagination because of his love for mythology was just another level and so he brought truths to us in incredible story forms and that makes him incredible uh, incredibly influential and relevant still today the one note I have uh, circled in my notes for this talk was that Lewis rooted his arguments in the experience of his audience. Yes. Was that the uh, – would that be related to – he talked about Aristotle's three pillars, the first pillow. It was just after he'd spoken about that. Pathos. Pathos, logos, and ethos. Yeah. It, what which I wrote was, under that which was – Which sound like the three musketeers. Yeah. But what I wrote related to that was an ear tuned to the emotional needs of the audience. Mm. I thought that was a great sentence. And that's what I actually always say about C.S. Lewis is he understood the human condition. I think that's roughly the pathos. He got it. And then the logos, just so we can finish that off, is informed mind by reason. So you've not only you're attuned to the audience and the emotions of it, but you're bringing in reason. And finally, ethos, whimsical, likable, trustworthy persona. I mean, he was just... He, he reminded me a bit of modern-day Bishop Barron, just so likable. It's hard to not to, to get mad at that type of person. <laughs> it's hard to disagree with him. Some people did manage it. But, uh. <laughs> I also circled, Lewis made the message of the gospel compelling. Mm-hmm. I know that's just a sentence, but I, I thought that was a, such a brilliant point. It is compelling. It's beautiful. It's enticing. It's what brought me back to Christianity, ultimately. And then after that, there was the interview with Douglas Gresham, who, as you said, is C.S. Lewis's stepson. And Dr. King asked him some questions, and then there were some questions from the audience. I, I liked when he talked about, you would know this more than me because I haven't read all of the Narnia series, but he discussed the scene in, it is in Lion, Witch, and Road Room, right? Are you talking about the undragoning? 
No, no. Um, when Susan talks to Aslan about coming back to life, and Lewis points to a deeper, darker uh, magic. No, it's not darker, but it is a deeper magic. There we go. Yeah, sorry. She, well, she, Susan asks Aslan after his resurrection, but what does it mean? And Douglas quoted it as saying that that when an innocent would lay down his life for another, that death would be destroyed and start working backwards. And he made the comment, and I'm not as up to speed with the scholarly research on this, but most people miss the true depth of that statement that absolutely nothing that doesn't die won't go into heaven. It's one of Lewis's other lines. Nothing that hasn't died will ever be raised from the dead. Yeah. And it also beautifully falls in line with what we sing at Easter at my church. By death, he trampled death. And to those in the tombs, he granted life. Yeah. It was by death that that happened. That was just a point. I, I, it was a random one he actually made kind of early on, so I had that circled. Uh, he also, this is uh, Douglas Gresham, he also told some stories about the filming of Shadowlands mm-hmm. and uh, David Attenborough, including some stories that we probably shouldn't repeat. <laughs> <laughs> you had to be there. Um, and he also spoke a little bit more about his brother David. I, yeah. I, I, knew a little, I knew a little bit about it, but it was... Um, it was sad and touching, the issues that his brother had and his untimely death. It really was. I enjoyed hearing him talk about meeting Lewis for the first time, just his description of him. I've heard some of these before, but just for our listeners, as a reminder of just the type of person Lewis was, he said, enormous personality with so much warmth, incredible sense of humor, wonderfully charitable, and just had this wisdom to him. I really liked all those adjectives he used to describe Lewis. Mm. One of the questions from the audience, I think, was about the different receptions that Lewis got, both in the United Kingdom and in the United States. <laughs> and that was great, actually. And, and he and he he just tried to spend a little bit of time communicating how the English we're not too exuberant. It's it'll, oh that that Lewis chap. He's, he's quite good, quite good. And, and the American response is, oh, my goodness, this, this Lewis guy is amazing. You guys need to read him. <laughs> I really thought you'd have taken advantage of throwing me under the bus with my overusage of the word incredible. No. Oh, this Lewis guy, he's incredible. <laughs> I really love when he says this. Well, the other thing that actually made me chuckle, he also spoke about going to some of the Inklings meetings when he was a very small child. Oh, this is great. And he would give him a half pint and send him out into the garden to play. But then he said, <laughs> and then I would kind of sneak back in and usually get one or maybe one and a half more pints. He's 12 years old. I like hearing – so that combined with another thing he mentioned so uh, really showed me Lewis's human side. So there's that, letting a 12-year-old boy – might have been slightly <laughs> exaggerated, but have a pint pretty much of beer – then he also, apparently, Lewis would wake up at 4, 4.30 a.m., and he'd be in the kitchen, and if things didn't go well and he was prepping or something, he would swear pretty loudly, occasionally. To be fair, he said that this was during the period of his mother's illness, Douglas's yes. mother's illness, Jack's wife, Joy. Under a lot of uh, stress and pressure. Yeah. But I'm glad to know, under stress and pressure, Lewis occasionally swore. <laughs> I'm glad you find comfort in that. <laughs> the the, the real, really touching story uh, for me was when he spoke about when Jack, he had been in a coma and then he came back mm-hmm. and he said something to the effect of, I now understand how Lazarus felt. Mm-hmm. I was so close. Yeah. And I now have to do it all over again. Yeah, I did. I, I, I remember wishing he would have expanded on that more. 
and probably Lewis didn't say any more beyond that, but I would have loved if Lewis would have been with it enough to say more. Mm. Now, one of the questions that was asked was, Douglas, what is your favorite Lewis book? Yes. And wait, you, wait, wait you, for it. Wait for it. Drum roll, because listeners, it's exciting. Till we have faces. Which just so happens to be the book that we're going to be reading in season three. Wow, that had a big wave spike form. Our listeners' ears might hurt after the way I said till we have faces. Uh, so I wanted to, and I didn't get the chance to, but I did afterwards. I wanted to ask when they did group Q&A. He said he's read it 15 times, and he's fallen in love with it more and more. So I was curious what he would say to the person who is reading it for the first time. What are the main themes you should pay attention to, or what should you get out of it, or something like that. And I didn't get to in the group, but I did one-on-one after, and he didn't give me a very satisfactory answer. He just said, the beauty is in the reading over and over and unpacking it. So keep reading it. <laughs> so Till We Have Faces is now going to be our book for season three, four, five, and six. <laughs> I will say, having now read it two and a half-ish times, and then I'll probably have read it about three to four by the time we're actually going live with our stuff, it does get better and better every time, and I'm starting to really like it. There's just a lot of truths that take a lot to unpack. I think it's the difference between a marinade and ketchup. Now, I will say this. Though, some you, of... Hang on. Let me, let me, let me, yeah, let, yeah. Let me, let me finish my imagery because it's beautiful. The slow with, clap worthy? With, no. Okay. But with marinade, you've got to sit. The, the, the meat has to sit in the marinade to really soak up all of those tastes. And it can't be hurried. Whereas ketchup, you just pour on top. And so I think Till We Have Faces is one of those books that you have to marinate in to really start to, to, to get the flavor of it. Yeah, you know, but I will say this. It's a great analogy. I like the books where you read them and you get it and there's some great truth to it and you're captivated by it from the first read. But then when you read it again, you realize there was more. That was the great divorce for me. Yes, that was it for me as well. Not that this isn't it, but this the first time I wasn't as captive. I was more confused with all of the characters and mythology and I'm not rooted in mytho- mythological reading in the slightest. So this was just out of my wheelhouse and then once i knew the themes i'm going back i'm like oh wait this is really beautiful oh wait the unveiling the the taking off your mask la, 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 true la, la. Self. haven't haven't, haven't <laughs> read it yet i'm like this is Spoiler great Spoiler warning. <laughs> uh so listeners i don't think i've actually mentioned this on an episode yet but my plan is i'm just going to simply read the chapters that we're going to be discussing that week so i am not going to finish till we have faces until we have finished the book on this podcast which means that I'm going to be going through this a little bit more blind. It's going to put a little bit more responsibility on Matt to lead me and make sure I don't fall into a pit. Um, and I think it would also just be really, really entertaining and interesting because the guys at the Lamppost Listener, who, by the way, are here this weekend, we've already hung out. It's the same with them because Phil hasn't read all of the Chronicles of Narnia, but Daniel has. And so that, I think, creates a really fun dynamic as they're discussing the books. Because one person knows where this is going and the other person is is still in the dark. So for our faithful longtime listeners, this means Matthew is the brain <laughs> and David is the pinky. I, I, we will see. <laughs> oh, I'm confident of this one. Oh, I'm pleased. I'm so excited. This is big growth for you, David, letting go of control. Yeah, yeah. I thought the great divorce, you letting me lead about half of them was letting go of control. I'm driving all of them. (laughs) Uh, Just to wrap up the discussion about Douglas Gresham, as you alluded to, 
you and I went and spoke to him afterwards. Yeah. And so we asked him about his advice for Till We Have Faces. Uh, I also asked him the perennial question I ask anybody connected with Lewis, and that's, what did he like to drink? Because we only get, ever get very vague descriptions of the beers and whiskeys. Uh, and it didn't get much less vague. <laughs> yeah, it, it it was uh, it was wooden wooden barrel ales, bitters, bitters. Sorry, bitters, yeah. which is good because those are delicious, and that's what I had when I was in the Eagle and Child last time. And we also gave Douglas Gresham the very first engraved pints with Jack pint glass. It looked really good. So Bloody Englishman, I owe you one, if you remember from a previous episode. So the Bloody Englishman who wrote a review that I teased about the signed book needs to call me. Yeah. If you if you send us a message, we will send you a, a beautifully engraved Pints with Jack pint glass. That's really dangerous. I didn't, we have no idea who the Bloody Englishman is, so any listener right now could say I'm a Bloody Englishman. <laughs> I'm going to reward initiative regardless. If we have two come in, then we're going to know one's a liar. <laughs> well, maybe we'll just have to use the wisdom of Solomon. We'll say, okay, we're just going to smash it and send you both half of the pieces and see which one says, no, 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 let the other person have it. That's clever. Uh, but yeah, so we had the pint glass as well as uh, Pints with Jack coasters and Pints with Jack stickers sent to the uh, the retreat center here to Montreat. Uh, and so I've been handing them out like candy to anybody that's willing He's to been, talk to us. David's been doing a great job. But what I really loved is David, when we got here, the hotel uh, hostess check-in individual was telling us, go here, this is the receptionist, that's what I was looking for. Go here, this is the morale to this. And taking quite a bit of time, honestly about two, three minutes to tell something that should take 15 seconds. And I could just see David like a kid in a candy shop waiting to get out of there impatiently, ready to go open his two presents that have been sent there, the, meaning the pint glass and the uh, coasters. And sure enough, we get right into the hotel room and he is opening them up. His face has got a big smile on it. And he was so pleased. They did turn out fantastic, which just the person, I don't know the person who did the logo, David does much more, but just an incredible job. I love it. The other thing though, Going back to this conference thing uh, that I thought was fascinating, people who listen to the Joseph Pierce episode and have heard us talk a bit about Lewis and being high Anglicanism and statements like, well, he, he, with Lewis, that's complicated. I wouldn't really call him high Anglican. I wouldn't but, have normally, but D- Douglas Gresham made the comment today that the Anglican church they went to and the priest was high Anglican. The priest was, but yeah. that doesn't mean that Jack was. Yes, yeah, so the, but so he was going to an Anglican church that's high Anglican and then even said teetering on the verge of Roman Catholicism. <laughs> So essentially, he's sitting there going to that every single weekend. And then when you hear making comments of Lewis where he said, outside of the blessed sacrament, there's nothing more important than your human being, your fellow human or fellow man or something. Nothing holier to presented to your senses. There you go. Yeah. That was an interesting comment. Then we had one more talk, but yeah, yeah we had what? Well, yes, we had. Well, we had one more talk and then a, the performance. So I didn't write as much down with the next talk. I really enjoyed it, but well, uh, okay. So David Downing he gave a presentation. He described mere Christianity as the accidental classic, and he effectively told the story of how mere Christianity came to be, and it's drawing quite heavily on another book. Which I George have Marsden's book. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually spoke about it on this podcast before. It's a biography of mere Christianity, of the book itself. 
And so he covered a lot of the material in there, which is great because I'm actually going to be in Charlotte this weekend giving a talk on mere Christianity, and I'm going to be pulling an awful lot of the same material. <laughs> so, was, did, you take, did you take good notes? Oh, the oh, I made a lot of notes. Well done, um, well done, David. But no, I, I just I just thought that was that was really grand. It was yeah. it was lovely to to hear again the story of how one of the most influential Christian books of the 20th century came to be, because it wasn't mapped out it was hey could you write us this book oh this book was great could you do some radio talks oh could you do a few more could you do another load could you do another load and then progressively these were collected together into different books and ultimately into mere christianity i think it's a really good example of god's will and providence being done and you just see his hand in Lewis's life. That would actually be something I would take away from today, as we learned a lot about Lewis, is the way that you see God's hand in his life and these moments and these influences. It wasn't as if Lewis had some vision in his life to be this great Christian apologist, but you see Tolkien having a big influence in his life. You see uh, this radio broadcast. I mean, imagine what his, would he have done some of these other Christian apologetic works or Christian works if it wasn't for mere Christianity sending him to popularity? I don't know. Or the the one that struck me as more important was prior to doing those radio talks, he had been going and giving these talks to RAF squadrons. Mm. And it was a real learning experience for him because up until then he was using words like linguistic analysis and Pauline soteriology oh, geez. and getting blank looks back. And that appears to be the time when he really learned that he needed to be able to communicate in the vernacular with people. The and, pathos. And he saw himself primarily as a translator more than mm-hmm. anything else in mm-hmm. order to be able to do the pre-evangelization uh, of, of people so that they're ready to hear the Christian gospel. What a great and a gift Lewis is that we learn today and how fortunate we are. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a guarantee that his life was going to happen the way it did. And also tying in with our conversation with Diana, the other thing in this particular talk was the interconnected nature of the people in his life. Um, David Downing said at one point, um, he said that we wouldn't have really have had uh, Tolkien if it were not for Lewis. We wouldn't have had The Lord of the Rings if Lewis hadn't been around to badger Tolkien to finish it. But at the same time, we wouldn't have had C.S. Lewis if we didn't have Tolkien to help him in that final conversion to Christianity. And he told the story of somebody saying to him, well, if we didn't have Tolkien or Lewis, well, then we wouldn't have you because nobody would know who you are. <laughs> In my you, he's referring <laughs> to the speaker. That made me chuckle. But that, some of our listeners probably do really like Tolkien. And so I thought that was an incredible point that Diana had said, that when, when Tolkien had wrote the, the first Lord of the Rings, he had called it the New Hobbit. He had no desire to write the book. So he'd finished The Hobbit. He had been pestered to write another one, pestered, 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 finally said yes, writes it, calls it The New Hobbit, stops the book essentially when the the What would eventually hobbits, be the, the Black Rider. Yes, when the hobbits are hiding under the tree in a Black Rider. And then said Lewis... But, but, but in, in the first draft, it was a white horse, and then it turned out to be Gandalf. Yes, and that was it. And that's like in the first hundred pages of the book. And then, and then he said that he told Lewis, I hate this, I can't do this, it's just, I don't like it, yeah, whatever. It's probably different words, but along that gist. And Lewis said, here's what you need. The hobbits are only interesting when they're not doing hobbit things. And that just transformed the way Tolkien focused on it. 
And that's why you see a marked shift in that point where he totally develops the story, this grander vision of the ring afterwards. And that's why the first hundred pages, I keep saying a hundred, but whatever, the first third of the first book can take a bit longer to get through. And then it just gets going. And that was Lewis's, that day Lewis gave him that comment. And there's actually records of the conversation in the old manuscript, a new one. And I'm like, whoa, that's a really cool story on Lewis's influence on the Lord of the Rings. And we'll probably get more of that tomorrow in Diana's talk. And she has insisted that the two of us sit up front and center. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I joke that I don't even need to go to a talk anymore after how much I pester her. And she goes, I expect you to be front row. (laughs) Then all right. Uh, After the last talk we had, we went for dinner. That's when we had all these amazing conversations. And, uh, And then the night ended... 20 minutes ago we had a performance by tom key which was a one-man performance of c.s lewis uh, in which he acted as c.s lewis much like the max mclean production uh, and he was drawing from the works of the screwtape letters surprised by joy the man born blind and also some of lewis's letters yeah i'd seen that one before so it's an enjoyable play obviously seeing it this is the second time so I already knew what was coming, and I was tired, so I, I probably don't have the best things to say. It's nothing to do with the play. <laughs> Just exhausted at the end of a long day. Yeah. So, listeners, that was day one. Yeah. Uh, and so we'll do another unedited, rambling, rather unstructured uh, episode again tomorrow, letting you know what we get up to. Yeah. I want to hear feedback from people of, oh, do they like David and Matt unedited or not? <laughs> They're like, oh, good thing David spends five hours every time editing these things. Well, the good news is that once we've done these, it will be maybe a couple of weeks and we will then officially be recording till we have faces. Yeah, I'm excited for that, guys. I'm just, I'm really glad to be back recording. It's been probably another six weeks since I've recorded. And this is just so much fun talking with you guys. I miss you guys. I love the emails you guys continue to send. We've had some wonderful conversations with people. And I can't wait for season three. I've done a lot of reading on Till We Have Faces. It is a fantastic book. We are going to really get into the weeds of it. I can't wait to see David uh, coming into this raw. And blind is probably the better word. So I'm very excited for that as well. And like you said, we're going to start that here in the next couple of weeks. So keep your eyes out. And be sure to keep an eye on social media because we'll be posting more images from our time here. We're, we're going to talk about this a little bit further. I'm not going to go into any detail here, but... We're going to really start pushing people to go to our site and join our newsletter. That's going to become much more important in season three. We're going to start distributing stuff through that on a weekly basis. So I'm just going to do a small thing here, and we'll introduce a lot of those changes we're implementing at another time. But if you hear this and you're still listening and we didn't lose you through our ramble, go to our, our website and just click subscribe. Um, type in your email. It, it'll be worth it. And I've just realized we didn't do a couple of other shout-outs. William O'Flaherty's here. Uh, oh, Justin yeah. Wiggins is here. Ah, uh, yes. So to them oh, and everybody Crystal else. Crystal Heard was fantastic. Crystal is amazing. Yeah, she was, <laughs> she's just a, I, I'm jealous of people with that kind of personality who can just <laughs> be that funny and that good of a conversation. It's always been a jealousy of mine. Uh, don't worry, Matt, you're funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, more like a self-deprecating kind of way. Okay, everybody, uh, it is now nearly at the half-hour mark, so we're going to put you out of your misery. So please come and join us again tomorrow when we're going to be going further up and further in. Cheers. Cheers. What a letdown that we're in person. We can cheers, and it's plastic cups. (laughs)